Welcome and thank you for tuning into this week's life-changing message from the Equipping Church. We pray you are empowered and encouraged by the Word of God. Father, we do, we cry out this morning for an awakening of the body of Christ. Father, we cry out this morning that your people would awaken to the reality of the kingdom of God and its purpose. That, Father, this morning that there would be an awakening of your people to live beyond themselves. That there is a cry of desperation in this hour from the world that is crying out for the answer that we carry. We carry the answer of the gospel. We carry the answer of the kingdom of God. And I pray this morning, God, that you would awaken a people to get over themselves, to get beyond themselves, to let go of their issues and recognize they've been rescued from the flames of hell. But there are people who are still headed to hell and we have the answer. God, awaken us out of our slumber. Awaken us out of our sleep. Help us to get over ourselves and recognize that this is an hour that while it is still day, we must work. While it is still day because night is coming and we cannot afford in this hour to be stuck in our issues. We cannot afford in this hour to be stuck in apathy and complacency any longer. We must awaken. 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 We cannot play church any longer. We cannot play religion any longer. We must awaken. We cannot protect our sin any longer. We cannot protect our hurts and our offenses any longer. Awaken the church, Jesus. Awaken the church. Awaken the slumbering bride who has fallen asleep waiting for her king to come and not recognizing her call while waiting. Jesus, you said to occupy until you come. And the bride has fallen asleep in her waiting. And I pray for an awakening this morning that would awaken a sleeping bride, that would awaken a people to recognize it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about them. And it's about Him. It's about them. And it's about Him. 
Jesus. Jesus. Awaken. 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 Jesus. 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 Holy Ghost. You can be seated. Have you ever been in a place where you you're wrestling? Anyone ever wrestled before? Anyone ever wrestled before? I'm in a wrestle this morning. I'm in a wrestle this morning. I'm in a wrestling because I know where we are in this hour. The Bible is so clear that while it is day, we must work. For night is coming when we will not be able to. And in Daniel, it says, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. We, we serve an unshakable kingdom. You, you need to understand that we, we serve a kingdom that will never be destroyed. It is a kingdom without end. It's a kingdom that is ever increasing through his body. But I'm in a wrestle this morning because I saw a glimpse last night of what could be. And yet I had a reality of where we are not. Can I just be real this morning? I had a glimpse of what could be. And I had a reality of what we are not yet. And I, I, I want to preach a message. Listen, I, I, I love our church. Can, can I be real this morning? But I want to call us higher. I want to call us higher because there was a harvest of souls last night, a potential. There were 17 nations gathered on our lawn and the laborers were few. 17 nations gathered on our lawn last night and the laborers were few. We can shout revival until kingdom comes. And we will never have it if the laborers don't show up. I'm in a wrestle this morning, church, because I love our church. And I love you. And because I love you, I've got to say some things this morning. Because we will not have revival if we cannot gather a harvest. We can have excuses all day long. We can have our reasonings and we can have our, 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 our ideas of where we're at in our life and why we can't do certain things. But let me tell you, it is not about you. It is not about me. It is about them and it is about Him. 
And if we want revival, if we want breakthrough, if we want all these things that we pray into and all these promises and all these prophetic words that we carry in our life, but we can't show up for souls, we will never have them. Ever. I'm going to preach we the church this morning. But as I looked at my notes last night, and I prayed, and and you need to understand what I'm saying, I'm saying with fear and trembling this morning. My, My hand is literally shaking behind the mic because I feel the tension in the realm of the kingdom this morning that we as a church we the church will never fulfill our destiny as the equipping church if we cannot gather in a harvest of souls i'm in a wrestle this morning because what i know is that 17 nations gathered on our lawn last night 17 nations came to partake at a table that we prepared for them And few laborers showed up to help gather the harvest. We're not a big church. I know that. I recognize that. I recognize that we are not full of people every Sunday. But I know that many hands make light work. And I know that if we want revival... And I, there, there are some very real situations that prevented people from coming last night. And I, I get that. I understand that. But the excuses that I got, I thought, Lord Jesus, did you not pay a higher price than that? I want to honor those who served. I want to honor those who came to help gather a harvest. But I want to tell you, we will not have revival if we cannot gather the harvest. We won't. We, we simply will not. We will not have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit if we don't make souls a priority. We can talk about all the great... We can have conferences and we can have encounter weekends, but if we don't do something with what we get, we will never have the breakthrough that we contend for. I spoke last week that the church has a primary mandate to demonstrate and example to our community what it means to know God. And you know what it means to know God? To demonstrate His love to those who don't know Him. We use the Old Testament as an example. We looked at Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And Daniel brought the wisdom, and and, and Nebuchadnezzar ultimately says, Your God is a God of gods. He's the Lord of kings, and and he brings promotion and blessing to Daniel. In the New Testament terms, is a massive revival. Community transformation, natural promotions, increased influence. All of these incredible things happened. Daniel brought revelation and understanding to mysteries and secrets because God is the revealer of secrets and mysteries. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our sons forever that we may observe all the words of this law we talked last week about the depth of the riches of both his wisdom and the knowledge of God how unsearchable his ways are how unsearchable the judgments of God are for who has known the mind of the Lord Romans eleven thirty four, 34 and who became his counselor 
Verse 36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. We found that God in, is everything in God is everything necessary to bring influence and community transformation. Not because of how clever we are, not because of how learned we are, but because God knows it all. Because God knows the secrets. He knows the keys to unlock people and their circumstances to bring freedom. And I celebrate what took place last night. But I'm going to tell you, I sat in this sanctuary last night and wept. I wept. Because the harvest was great, but the laborers were few. And I thought to myself, I'm just going to be real transparent. If you get offended with it this morning, go nail it to the cross. Because I really don't care this morning. Because I spent hours in this sanctuary last night weeping for the souls that were on our lawn. That there was no harvesters to gather. The few that were here were so spread thin trying to meet and greet and talk and do everything. And people were here till 10.30 last night cleaning up and doing everything. And we didn't gather the harvest that we could have because there wasn't enough laborers. So if you get offended this morning, go deal with Jesus about it because I really don't care. I've never preached like this in this house, but I'm going to preach it this morning because I think it's necessary to hit your flesh with the cross this morning. And those watching by live stream, type a comment. I really don't care. I'm stirred up with the... I'm stirred up with the anger of God this morning. This isn't Pastor Jacob's anger. This is the righteous indignation of the King of Kings who was looking at a lawn last night going, where are the harvesters? I told Pastor Anna, I said, I shouldn't preach this morning. I, I really shouldn't get behind the pulpit this morning. And the Lord said, no, hit him with the cross this morning. Hit him with the cross. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Colossians 2, 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The faith position we must take is that what is, whatever is necessary to live a life of impact and relevance, whatever is necessary, whatever sacrifices we must make, whatever we must do, we must live a life of impact and relevance because that is what it means to be we, the church, is that we live a life of relevance and impact to those around us and here's the thing you are not left wanting when you take those steps of obedience he's right there in him is everything necessary for success in him is everything necessary for living a life of godliness and knowledge in him is everything necessary for unlocking doors of restriction imprisonment and fear in him are the secret things required for your now moment i think part of our issue in the western church is we are so consumed with us us me me i i my problems my issues my hurts my pains the cross was enough do you really believe that the cross was enough? Or do you think that it's just some icon that we set up in our churches and set up in our lives as a reminder that I'm a Christian? Or was the cross actually transformational for our lives? In Him is everything. 1 Corinthians 2, 7 and 10. 
But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the human heart, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Do you understand what God has prepared for you? Do you understand what He prepared? If the rulers of this world had understood it, they would not have crucified Him. If Satan had understood what he was doing by taking Jesus to the cross, he would have prevented the cross. He had no clue what Jesus was doing at the cross. And we need in this hour to position our belief systems, our prayer life, and our general Christian walk according to this because God is calling us, you and me, the church, to impact our community and He is giving the formula for success for being able to do this. We are called to impact the community. Here are the countries that were on our lawn last night. Nigeria, Egypt, India, Italy, China, Iran, Lebanon, Pakistan, Ghana, Kazakhstan, Japan, Afghanistan, Taiwan, Mexico, Vietnam, Bangladesh, Colombia. On our lawn last night. None of the rulers, leaders of this age has understood. This is not a university qualification stuff. Though there are great principles to be learned and applied, this is supernatural wisdom and revelation. If you'll catch it, if you'll begin to understand that there is accessible to you a supernatural wisdom and knowledge, you'll sit across from someone at a table and unlock them in a moment. I heard stories as Amanda shared with those she was driving back last night about how our God was the only God who offered forgiveness. And those students were saying, I've never heard that before. I've never known that before. You have part of that harvest if you will just participate. It is our faith position and privilege as believers in Christ to understand that God has hidden wisdom and knowledge available for you to unlock the lives of others. I, as a child of God, am positioned and accessible to the wisdom and knowledge of God beyond just natural understanding and principles. I'm in a privileged position to access everything to bring freedom to everyone around me. That's who we are. The mysteries of God are ours to be discovered and ours to be revealed. And accessing this supernatural resource starts with our faith and positioning our attitudes. And I want to talk about what that looks like this morning. I know I've started with a good rebuke, that that's the cross. Just slap you with the cross. But I want to talk to you this morning about how to access the hidden wisdom. Because I believe more than ever before, I think part of the reason why we, we have an inability to show up is because we lack the supernatural wisdom to recognize the time and the season that we are in. It is day, and while it is day, we must work. For night is coming. There will come a day where you won't be able to share the gospel publicly in America. We'll all have stronger faith than no, you won't. 
If you can't be obedient in freedom, how will you be obedient in bondage? Proverbs 2, 2 and 7. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. This is the foundation for accessing the enormous resource of heaven and revelation. Verse 2, it says, make your ear attentive. That, that in the Hebrew means pull your ear open. Prick up your ear. Listen to what the Lord is saying. It's brilliant. You know, if I'm in a crowd and Anna begins to call my name. Now, most of you don't know. Her nickname for me is not Jacob or Babe. It's Roy. It's my middle name. She's the only one in my life who calls me Roy. No one else in my life calls me Roy. But to her, I'm Roy. So if I hear Anna say, Roy, I know she's calling me. Now she says, Biswell, she's a little annoyed. If she says, Jacob, she's angry. She does not call me Jacob if she's in love with me. She calls me Jacob when she's mad. I don't call her Anna when I'm happy with her. We've never used our first names to, to, to relate to each other. For me, she's babe. That's, that's, that's her name. It should be on a birth certificate. I mean, that's who I call her. For me, it's Roy. And if I hear her, I, oh, no one else would call me Roy. No one else would call me Biswell, and very few people call me Jacob. And if I hear that in the distance, I know that my attention's been caught. Prick up your ears to wisdom. This is the position and attitude. It means to suddenly pay close attention to something. I filter out the other noise. I can be in a busy room. I can be in the mall. I can be in a busy church service. But if I hear my wife's voice, I know she's calling me. Now, some husbands have selective hearing. They'll wait until they say, Jacob! They'll wait until their full name, Gregory. Right, Shelley? I don't know what you call Hector when you're mad. Is there a Singaporean name? When you're mad, you call him Doll? Oh, anytime, anytime. But... There's something about that that will we'll not pay attention, not pay attention, not pay And then all of a sudden, Jacob! Ah, yes, honey. How often do we wait for the Lord to really get our attention? How often is wisdom calling us? How often is there a call from on high to do something? This is the position we must take. Filter out the other noise. Listen for the voice that's so familiar. And then the position and attitude we must take for accessing this resource. It says, prick up your ears to wisdom. Then it says, cry for discernment. 
We need to discern the hour that we live in and lift our voice for understanding. Seek wisdom like you would for silver and hidden treasure. And what happens if you begin to seek wisdom? If you begin to seek wisdom, what flows? Discernment. Knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, God's knowledge and understanding. To encourage this position, he states, all this wisdom, all this knowledge, all this understanding is stored up for you. It's waiting for you. It's available to you. Now, why doesn't God just dump all of it on us at once? Well, the best answer I can give you is all of my years in ministry, seeing Holy Ghost moves, my years of pastoring, there's just some things you don't give freely. There's some things people ask all the time, can I have an impartation of what you carry? No, you haven't paid the price for it. I can give you an impartation of some things. I've had people ask, can I have double your anointing? No, you can have double the pain that I've walked through to have the anointing. The anointing comes through crushing. Do you understand that? The anointing comes through crushing. Anything worth having costs you something. David said, I will not bring a sacrifice that didn't cost me anything. To reach the world, it's going to cost you, church. It's going to cost you a Saturday night. It's going to cost you comfort. I want to honor Dina, though, because Dina could not be here physically. But you know what she committed to? She says, I'm going to pray from the time the event starts till the time it ends. We get so preoccupied with life. The Bible says in Matthew 7, 6, Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under your feet and turn and tear you to pieces. If we don't recognize that what we carry is costly, and what God gives us is costly, then we will profane the holy, and we will not understand and discern the time and season. Proverbs 2 is the cry for the church, for believers to position themselves for discernment, the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, God's knowledge and understanding. It's actually an attitude and attentiveness. It is a spiritual and emotional positioning in both prayer and attitude. If you want breakthrough in your life, if you want the great move of God, sacrifice. It's an active, almost demanding from God, an attitude. Well, if God wants me to have breakthrough, He'll just give it to me. If God wants my family saved, He'll save them. If God wants to give me wisdom, He'll just give it. No, that is not how the Bible works. That's not how the kingdom of God works. The Bible declares the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and want the violent take it by force. You want breakthrough for your life? You want your family saved? See some other people saved. You want breakthrough in your finances? So into an international student who's never heard the gospel. We shared the gospel with them last night. We gave a simple gospel message that let them know that there was a God who was living and active and wanted to be intimate in their lives. But it's the conversations that happen after that that actually make the most impact. It's the tangible people there must be a cry that shouts from our hearts and lives. God, I have to see salvations. God, I have to see souls come into the kingdom of God.
God, I've got to see my community transformed. God, I've got to have this supernatural treasure in my life, this supernatural wisdom. I have to have it. It's an active, almost demanding from God attitude. God, I won't relent until I see people come into the kingdom of God. You want wisdom for your life? You want breakthrough for your life? Give your life to someone else. There's hidden treasure. Now you might say, well, that's an Old Testament verse. But look at Matthew 13. Out of Jesus' own mouth comes the cry. Matthew 13, 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. It's a position. It's an attitude. It's a compelling must do in our lives. It's a drive of determination. Why? Because Colossians 2.3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want the hidden things of God? Search it out. Find it. You know where it's found? It's found in students from Bangladesh. It's found in students from Colombia. It's found in those connections with people across the table. You want breakthrough? It's found in the harvest. There is no greater miracle than the salvation of a soul. And I will preach that till my dying day. I don't care if arms grow back. I don't care if cancer's healed. I don't care if any of that happens. If we are not seeing souls saved, then we are not accomplishing the mission that Jesus sent us to do. All of those miracles are a byproduct of the greatest miracle, which is the miracle of salvation. I'm looking for a people hearing God, gaining supernatural wisdom and knowledge, and demonstrating that to the community of influence they have. That's the starting point for revival, is demonstrating the love of God to a community that we have influence in. We had over 70 registered. I'm thankful not all 70 showed up. We couldn't have done it. 42 showed up. But 42 students, that was a lot. If all 70 had showed up, I don't know what we would have done. We wouldn't have been able to connect with all of them. So I think God gave us some grace and held some back because the harvesters were few. You can't say you want revival and not serve. You can't say that you want the move of God and not serve. Saved people serve people. You hear that this morning? Saved people serve people. You weren't saved to become blessed. You were saved to serve. Example after example in the Bible demonstrates that when a person hears God, dispenses the wisdom and knowledge of God to their community, it creates massive spiritual momentum. That's where revival begins. Take Joseph as an example. But there's so many more. People write down lists about the keys towards revival, the principles of revival. I wrote a book called The Promise of Revival. Honestly, I want to throw the book away. Because if we're not saving people from the fires of hell, I don't want revival. If revival just looks like people rolling on the ground and getting their bless me club and thrills and chills and another prophetic word, I don't care about another prophetic word. 
We've got thousands of prophetic words that haven't been fulfilled around our lives. Collectively, there's tens of thousands of words sitting in this very room that will never be fulfilled. I want to tell you, they will never be fulfilled if we're not seeing souls saved. Pastor Jacob's just angry because people didn't serve. Yes. 100%. Because there was a harvest that I believe we partially missed out on. Well, you could have got them all saved. Yeah, I could have. But what am I going to do with them? I can't pastor all of them. I can't disciple all of them. I can't fellowship with all of them. That's your job. That's the job of the believer. He didn't say, pastors, go make disciples. He said, you go make disciples. Yeah, I'm stirred up this morning, church. I am. And I can preach about revival till kingdom come. But we will never have revival. I'm telling you, we will never have revival. And if we're not seeing souls saved, and if we're not going after souls, what are, what are we doing? What are we doing? Now, I'm going to talk next week about the key, some of the keys to walking in this, di- differentiating between our spirit man and our natural man. But I'm going to tell you, I, I know that some of you just need to crucify your flesh. That's just what it comes down to. You can write down lists about the keys towards revival, but here's the key. The Bible points all the way from Genesis through Revelation that it's about a people hearing God and dispensing that wisdom to the unsaved soul. That's the key to revival. Hearing God, obeying God, and dispensing that wisdom to the unsaved. Dispensing that message to the unsaved. So I want to finish this morning. There's a passage in the New Testament that has been the foundation and prayer focus for my entire Christian life. It comes out of Ephesians chapter 1. I want to start with verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He set forth in Him. There it is, the mystery of His will. Remember the Ethiopian in Acts 8? Philip is on the road and comes across this guy. And he asks the question, since he saw the Ethiopian was reading Isaiah, do you understand what you're reading? The guy says, no. It's all a mystery. And what did Philip do? He unlocked the mysteries of God. He unlocked the mysteries of God. The world is hungry to know Jesus. They're hungry. They have so many voids in their life. They have so many areas of emptiness. And we have the answers. I want to read Ephesians 1, 3, and then we'll jump to verse 15. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I could stop right there. He's already blessed you with every spiritual blessing. You already have access to all of it. That's past tense. Blessed us. Not will bless us. Blessed us. Verse 15. For this reason I too, having heard of the faith... In the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you, while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of His calling. 
What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And what is the boundless greatness of His power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. It is one of the most comprehensive, life-impacting prayers imaginable. And I've prayed this prayer in this passage nearly my entire Christian life. It is the foundation for being a prophetic and impacting believer. And I'll unfold more next week. But this morning, as I start to close and and give an altar call this morning, given the understanding that there is treasure and hidden mysteries and the positioning we must put ourselves in, I want to pray over everyone with a laying on of hands that if you want to walk in the hope of your calling, if you want to walk in the wisdom that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation, you need wisdom in this hour to understand that there is a harvest waiting, waiting for you, waiting for you. It may look like Barbara carrying chairs outside so that someone has a seat to sit in. It may look like Dina praying from her home, interceding for souls. Whatever it looks like, there is a place to serve because the saved serve. And I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you. If you're not serving in this house, if you've not found a place to get plugged in, you need to. Well, why do I have to serve in church? Because you're saved. Because you're saved. Simple as that. Saved people serve people. Well, I don't have time to serve. Yes, you do. I'm challenging you this morning because I'm telling you, I know what God has spoken to me about this place. There are others in this room who know what God has shown them about this place. This place will be full. And you'll either get on the train or you'll get off the train. You'll either serve or you'll be left behind. You're talking about the rapture? No, I'm not talking about the rapture. I'm talking about the move of God that you'll miss out on. Because the move of God impacts those who serve the most. So I know, challenging message this morning. And it's not because I'm offended. I'm not offended with the church. I'm grieved. I'm grieved. I'm grieved. As your pastor, I'm grieved. And I'm willing to say it. I'm willing to be transparent enough to say, we've got to do better, church. We have got to do better. We have got to do better. So this morning, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hand it over to Hector and Susanna. I know, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm going to hand it over to you. Announcements offering. Then I'm going to come back and we're going to have an altar call for a prayer of impartation of wisdom. We pray that your life was impacted today by the presence of God. For more information about the Equipping Church or to give online, please visit www.equippingchurch.us.